Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Well, if you've been with us uh, over the last two weeks, uh, you will know that we started a series um, on the 31st of January. It was called the Dream Big Series. And ultimately, this was to uh, drive us towards today, which is what I call Vision Day. It's nothing special other than we want to throw out some uh, stuff that we're going to be doing this year and some exciting things, some probably some changes and different ideas that have been birthed in our hearts and as leaders, as we've gathered together. But uh, I want to encourage you today that I, I really believe that God has, uh, when I started this series, has really put this word on my heart. And I'm excited today that God wants to speak into this church, because he's building his church ultimately, isn't he? You know, it's exciting to know that we're with God on this. It's not we're on our own. We sung it earlier. We are not alone. He's fighting for us. And, and I want to encourage you today that I don't just say these things because they're nice things to say, but I truly believe that God is with us. And he's going to accomplish what he desires in this house. And I'm excited if you're with on that journey with us. It's going to be an exciting ride. We looked last week, just picking up a summary, last week in Nehemiah chapter 4, we looked at what it was to be active in prayer. That when Nehemiah um, called the people together and they were going to build, rebuild the walls, we've been focusing on the story of Nehemiah, how he had a plan, a vision. We see it at the right at the beginning of Nehemiah, and I'd encourage you again, go away and read the book of Nehemiah. Uh, go and read the whole, there's not many chapters to read, but read the whole book because we've focused a lot uh, on this on the last few weeks. That's been the core uh, message. But what we looked at is that when Nehemiah uh, comes to uh, bring this vision to the people to rebuild the wall, the, one of the things he does is he also encourages prayer. He, when he realizes that the enemy is attacking them in what they're trying to do, and believe you and me, every great vision you're going to get an attack from the enemy. The, the enemy is always going to be at war against it. We see in this story that Nehemiah encourages them to pray as well. I'm not into churches that have visionary strategies, uh, you know, life coaching style, but they don't believe in prayer. They sometimes do, you know, I'll tell you something, you can achieve quite a lot without Jesus. You can, you look around the world, there's some places sometimes, and I think they achieve so much, they look more like business. You can achieve great things, amazing things without Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous as well? Sometimes you look at people who don't even follow Jesus and you're thinking, how come are they doing so well? And I'm struggling. Everyone used to say to me when I used to be my old job, they used to say, yeah, you, you know, it's good for you. The sun shines on the righteous. I just used to turn to them and say, yeah, I'm the unrighteous as well. Because, you know, we can do many things without Jesus, but I'll tell you what, you cannot do the same. God has a great plan for this church he has a great plan for you as individuals, and we need to make sure that our lives are spiritually just as strong as they are as visionary strategy and all the business kind of side of, of, of building church. We've got to be careful we don't go down that route too much. So prayer, we looked at, be active in prayer. Come together as a body, pray together. When we meet on Tuesday night, I, I really believe, wouldn't it be amazing if the same amount of people that's in this room now were there to pray? I'm afraid to say it doesn't happen, but wouldn't it be amazing if it did? 
Not because it would be good to just fill the seats. It's not about that. It's about the heart of the people willing to pray, to believe into a vision, to believe into a heart for the future of this church. Because Nehemiah understood that to do what they needed to do, they needed to pray as well. So we looked at that. Also, number two last week was to be able to be available to serve. We need to be, if we're going to be part of a body, to be available to serve. Not just, oh, you know, I'm around if you need me, but then we don't see you. Be available. Be there, ready to serve into the vision. We also looked at being adaptive to the vision. Very key thing. You can be available to any vision, but being adaptive to a vision is a very different story. If you want to be adaptive to something, it means that if someone tells you the whole picture and says, this is what we want to achieve, this is what we want to be as a church. But actually, it means that you might have to do things sometimes that you don't want to do. But a lot of people come and they want to do their gift. And if they can't do what they want to do, then they go. Well, that, therefore, you see their heart. Their heart is not in the vision. But if we're adaptive to the vision, then we can, we're, we're available to clean the toilets as well. Rather than prophesying. You know, and so many people, they want to prophesy, but they don't want to clean the loose. But it's true. We've got to be adaptive. And I feel that as... I said before, I feel in my heart over the years, there's certain times when I wanted to do certain things and I couldn't do them and I was limited. But I always wanted to serve and see God fulfill his vision. So I just did what meant something to someone to help them. And uh, eventually God positioned me in a place where I can now encourage you to do the same. So I would encourage you to do that. Be adaptive to the vision if you want to be part of this body. Also last week we looked at being accountable to leadership. It's important that if you're going to come together into a body, you've got to be accountable. There's a lot of people who like to swan around churches and visiting and they, I've, I've spoke to some people before they said, I, I asked God on Sunday morning which church he's going to send me to. I said, wow, I wish I could uh, speak to God like that. You know, get up on Sunday morning and say, I'm not really feel like preaching today. I think I'm going to just ask the Lord where he really feels I should go today. It's amazing, isn't it, that God responds in such a way. I believe that God is a, is a God of order and he's a God that encourages account- accountability, meeting together, strengthening each other in the body. How can you strengthen someone if, if that person you're expected to be here is not here because God's told them to go somewhere else? You know, it's just wrong. So I want, to, I want to encourage you, I am a great believer in being rooted. And that's not being imprisoned, that's rooted to be fruitful for the kingdom. Seeing the vision, saying I want to be rooted. If you can't agree with that, well find a church where you can phone up every week and say I'm not going to be here this week because I've got, the Lord's told me I've got to go to Scarborough. If, if you want that, then you look for it. You'll find it somewhere. But I want to encourage you, that's the type of church we are. So we're going to look at today in Nehemiah chapter 7. As we just read, we're going to read now. And this is the completion of the wall. This is when uh, Nehemiah gets to the end and he's, he's now completed the wall. So we got right at the beginning what we looked at. We got this kind of visionary strategy. Nehemiah leaves King Artaxerxes in, and, and he comes down into Jerusalem to build the wall and to have, bring this vision. He doesn't share the vision immediately. He goes and, and checks out the land, shares the vision, encourages the people to build. And then towards the end, they've built the wall. We looked at how they got halfway and they, they felt like giving up. But then we looked at, you know, you've got to keep building. We don't give up halfway. We keep building for what God has in store. But then they get to the end. And this is where we're going to pick up in Nehemiah 7, where they've fulfilled the task of building, rebuilding this wall. Verse 1. After the wall had been rebuilt, said Nehemiah, and I set the doors in place, 
the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Verse 4, now the city was large and spacious, but there were a few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. That's the exiles. This is what I found written there. Verse 6. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvai, Nehum, and Bana. And then if you carry on reading, there's a lot more names, but I'm not going to read them. I've done enough. You read them in your own time. But jump to verse 66. After you see this long list of names as he's looking at this registration, he's trying to discover, you know, who in the exiles belongs in this land. He sees that the land is very spacious. They've built the walls. Now he's trying to get everyone together to fill this land. Verse 66 of Nehemiah 7 says, The whole company numbered 42,360, besides their 7,337 male and female slaves. And they also had 245 male and female singers. Wow, what a big worship team. Come on. You see, anything's possible, Sam. 245 male and female singers. Some of the heads of the families contributed to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 darics of gold. Now, just, just to look at this as we read it, as we're reading now, these people that, these are the people that are rocking up after it's all been done. These are all the people who are coming from, he, he, he said, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do a record, I'm going to, registration. These are, all, these are all the people who have not been building. You know, they're coming in a little bit later and they're, they're all coming and he's trying to bring these people back. And he says, some of the heads of the families contribute to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 darics of gold, 50 bulls and 530 garments for priests. Some of the heads of the families gave to the treasury for the work, 20,000 darics of gold and 2,200 miners of silver. The total given by the rest of the people was 20,000 darics of gold, 2,000 miners of silver, and 67 garments for the priest. Wow, they were generous, weren't they? And these people came after. So they came, and they arrived, and now they start blessing this work, this area of what was going on. I want to say today that building walls, building infrastructure for church and vision is one thing. It's fantastic. Buildings are great, aren't they? Some people focus on buildings more than others. Buildings are fantastic. Infrastructure's great, but people are more valuable. Did you know that? Jesus, I believe that we are living stones for Jesus in his church. Therefore, you're far more valuable than the bricks and mortar. You know, 
It's, it's better, isn't it, to attend quicker to you guys than it is a broken drain pipe that we've got down the side at the moment. Buildings are great and infrastructure is great. And Nehemiah, um, he has this vision to go and, and rebuild this wall because he's, re- he's broken. If you read back in Nehemiah chapter 1, we're not going to go there, but you'll see it on the screen. Nehemiah chapter 1, you'll see that when Nehemiah hears about the walls being broken down, the first reaction he has, he weeps. He cries about it. He gets a bit distraught. Now, he's not upset because the walls are just broken. Because you can see why he's upset if you, if you read his prayer to God. We're going to read it. Verse 6, he says this, let your ear be attentive. This is Nehemiah praying to God before he even goes and does any of this work. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel. Did he say for the bricks and mortar that have fallen on the floor? No, he said, for your servants. He wept over their situation. He realized that praying to God for the people was far more important. I want to say to you today, before we move into this next uh, phase or this next section where I'm going to be looking at, it's all about the people. It's not about infrastructures and buildings. These things are good. I was reading the other day on Twitter, uh, Nicky Gumbel, many of you know Nicky Gumbel, famous character from Holy Trinity Brompton. He wrote on Twitter the other day, he put this, if your vision is for a year, plant wheat. If your vision is for 10 years, plant trees. If your vision is for a lifetime, plant people. I think that was amazing when I read that. I don't know about you, but I want to plan for lifetime and I want to plant people. We can have infrastructure, all these things are fantastic Infrastructure is great, but people are so more important. We're going to look today as this part three is entitled Greater Measures. Greater Measures. Number one is this today. I'm going to go through five things today. Don't get worried. I won't be too long. I'll be as quick as I can. But I believe there's five characteristics of what I want to bring in the vision today for this church. You know, visions, they're always great. They change. They move around. They're flexible. But it's good, isn't it, to just think, how are we going to approach this year? Let me tell you, this year is going to be an exciting year for this church. It's going to be amazing. We're stepping up a gear, we're not stopping, and we're going to keep on going. It's going to be amazing. And I want to encourage you before we move on today, if you want to be part of this church, you can be. You can be part of this body. First today is this, in this entitled uh, Greater Measures is this. Number one, we need to expand resources. We've got to expand resources. Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 1 says this, what we read right at the beginning. He says this, after the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians and the Levites were appointed. In other words, Nehemiah sets this whole thing up. He sets this infrastructure up. He's got the wall in place. But what does he do? He sets people into positions. Because it needs people to operate it. Let me tell you that we, for what God is going to do in the future and this year, we've got to expand our resources. If you're available to serve, if you're available to give into the vision, we need people. We need people who are servant-hearted, who want to give into this vision, and, and we need to expand on what we do. So it's not just the fearful few, but people feel included that they have a part in all this. 
And what Nehemiah does is he recognizes, he says, you know, I set the doors in place. You know, it's all finished. But then he says the gatekeepers, the musicians and the Levites, they were all appointed. Because he knew it needed people to operate this. But he also appointed leaders. In Nehemiah 7 verse 2, we read this. It says, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. Now just pause there a moment. Have you read that? He puts his brother in. You think, well, he's a bit favoritism there in, in who he's choosing. You know, he, his brother gets, gets a nice position straight away. But I find it interesting when I read the next line because it says this. Hananiah, uh, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. So he chooses somebody else who's not necessarily related in that way. But he says this. He gives a reason for choosing. He says, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Listen, if you want to be chosen to be part of leadership, involved in leading groups, involved in doing things in this church, you've got to be people of integrity. You've got to be people who are consistent. That's why people who do phone up saying, I'm going to Scarborough this weekend because I feel the Lord's led me, they're not, you know, the integrity is not there. The consistency is not there. One of the key factors, I think, in people is you can rely on them. You know, some people think, oh, it's not a great gift to be reliable. I'll tell you, it's one of the best gifts you can ever have. Reliability. (laughs) If you know you can rely on someone, the trouble is most of the time it's always relying on the same people. Isn't it? But we've got to be people of integrity. That's why he chooses this person. So when, if you want to be someone who's involved in, appointed as leading groups, involved in dealing with things, you've got to be people of integrity. You've got to be people who's consistent, who have been, who've proved the test of that we are in this, whatever it is. We're available to clean the loose. We're available to do this, this and this, because this is the vision of the church. And if you have that, then you're selected, because you as a person are far more valuable. But I really believe in, I don't just select anyone. I always look for people who have integrity, reliable, consistent in what they say, not flitting around and going everywhere. I need to give my time to those who show integrity. So I want to encourage you today. We need to expand the resources. We need to have the same outlook as Nehemiah did in his selection process to do that. But I want to encourage you today, be like that in your heart. Start to just check your own heart. Say, is this how I am? Because it's up to you. It's your future. Your destiny is in your own hands. Of how you can be integrated and grafted into the church. So what does that mean for us? I'm just going to remind you for some of the things that we're doing at the moment. Some of the current avenues of where uh, we minister out of this church. If we bring up some of the things. You know when you bring them all together you start to realise a lot of stuff that's going on here at the moment. There's lots of avenues where resources already have been stretched. Two years ago, uh, you know, there's some of these things that are on this list weren't operating and we bring, we brought these things into into action. You know, we got Exceed Men's Ministry, the Voice in the City conferences that we're running. We've now run three. We're hoping to do another one this year. We want to do that to minister into the city. Very, you know, not making any profits on this. Aspire Ladies Fellowship, the Fusion and Elevate. It's great to see it. Many of you won't know, but Nick and Elena. It's great to see them on the worship team. By the way, I thought it sounded amazing this morning. Just let the people see it. Nick and Elena have just joined our youth team. And they're going to be working with the youth as well. You know, I really believe God 
He's going to use you guys in an amazing way. And it's such a privilege to have you on board. I want to, I want to just say that. Jaron and Amma are leading that up and they're working together. And, I, and it's great. I just heard some great reports back about the youth just a few weeks ago. These are great things that are happening. Buenas Noticias. I can never say it. Never say it. I'm getting there. But the Spanish, it's great to see that the Spanish has been building up and getting momentum in what they're doing. It's fantastic, is it? These different avenues. And that's just something because these guys have a heart to do it. And it's fed into the church, I believe. It's, we, we're seeing the family as one. We don't just see it as two separate things. And then we've got treasure kids as well. I, I heard Emma say recently, she says, the groups, the teams, what people are doing, it's just amazing. It's, it's, you know, it's the best we've ever seen of the groups, the leaders, that have come together and they're learning more. It's just fantastic to see these things. You might not see it when they're downstairs today, but God is doing some amazing things. We've got Ignite. That didn't happen until you know, a year and a half or so ago. We've got the student and young adults activities. All these things that you see here, the discipleship explored, the training programs, school of evangelism, take resource. They demand resource. Devoted. I forgot that one. I knew, I knew I'd forget one, you see. But now it's even more special because it's got a special mention. But I want to encourage you that these avenues of ministry, it's like devoted as well. There's not many pe- there's a few people running it, but we can have m- more people running these things. So to expand on what we need to do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require more resource. It's not just the same people doing it. All these avenues are opportunities for you to get involved in. It's not just about coming to the church and saying on Sunday, where, what can I do on Sunday? If you want to be part of things, this is where we're at. Now, where we're going this year in increasing uh, some of the activities is we're going to be, one of the things that's going to be happening is exceed particularly, you've noticed that Aspire, I got a bit jealous because Aspire seemed to be meeting a bit more regularly than the guys, you know. They're always meeting, aren't they, and having breakfast and smoked salmon and watching films, you know. And I got a bit, I got a bit jealous of that, so I thought, we need to do something. But I've been working behind the scenes for several months now, along with, many of you know Simon Pinchbeck, his uh, face is up there, he looks a bit of a criminal, that's what he used to be. But that's the only picture I could find. Many of you who know Simon, Simon uh, works for Christian Vision for Men on the East Area, looking after the whole East Area of this country. And a uh, very key figure. He got saved through Holy Trinity Brompton, went through the Alpha Course there through Nicky Gumbel, got saved. We, it was great to baptize him uh, on the 31st of January. And uh, he's now become a member of the church. And he said, he shared many times with me, Simon, great figure to have here, but shared many times he wants to influence the men's ministry to build up and strengthen the guys here. So I want to encourage you that this year, the Exceed Men's Ministry is going to be having a whole uh, new kind of revamp in that we're going to be at least meeting once a month. And there's going to be evening sessions of teaching sessions from Simon, encouraging and strengthening guys up. So that's going to be happening this year. All these things that I'm telling you about, they're already in the diary. Everything's ready to live it out now. It's all done and dusted. Everything's there. So through this year, we've got that. We've got social meals already booked and organized for the guys because we want to build up the men's ministry. I believe in strengthening the men as well. We'll give the women a run for the money. Next year, they'll be doing two days a week. 
But I want to encourage you, these things are exciting, but they need resource. We're going to need people to get involved. That might mean sometimes you coming and making a coffees for Simon. Coming and saying, you know, rather than some, the same old people doing it, if you want to serve into that to strengthen men ultimately, then come to me and say, I want to have this to support Simon. I want to be there every week for him so that I can put on the filter coffee machine, get these things running to influence that particular ministry. So it's really exciting. Some of the other things we're going to be doing, I'll share just shortly, but in, in, in Exceed, we're going to be doing some stuff together as guys on uh, kind of evangelistic stuff together as well. It's really exciting, some of the stuff, and I'll share that in just a moment. But I'm only on the first point. Expand resources. Expand resources. We've got to do this. So I want to encourage you, be available, but come and say to me, I, want, I have a heart to see the men's ministry built up. Can I come and help? What does that mean? And I believe God will use you in that area. All gifts that we have are to praise God ultimately, aren't they? And if we read this in 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11, it says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with strength, the strength God provides. So that, this is the key, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. There it is. You say, what's the reason for doing that, making the coffees? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Amen. Second thing today is that we need to enlarge capacity. If we want to see the future of this church, we've got to enlarge the capacity. We've got to create more space. We've got to create more availability and capacity. Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 4 said this. Check this out. Nehemiah builds, he puts all his infrastructure in place, his visionary plan. It's all in place. All the guys get inside and they're all happy. They shut the gates. He appoints the, the musicians and, and everyone, the singers and 245 people in the worship team. Amazing. Gets all these people in place. And then he says this. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were a few people in it. He kind of looked around and thought, wow, it's a bit empty here. Look at this. Massive vision. All the walls are in place. There's hardly anyone here. What are we going to do? And so he realizes that this capacity for what he created was far bigger. His vision was far bigger, or should I say God's vision was far bigger than what he actually saw at the end result. Because at the end, he sees this massive load of space and not many people there. Let me tell you, if we have a vision that is just limited to this room, then it's not good enough. It is not good enough. Visions need to be bigger than us. So that you can live into them. You can fill them out. And the problem here is today is that we all love meeting on Sunday morning and we like to fill this place. But that's not enough because I believe that God's vision for this place is for greater things, more space, more availability. So we need to be like, we maybe need to be sometimes like, you know, there's not many people here because it needs to be that always room for growth. The problem is here, there's no room for growth. People, some weeks this place is getting full up and there's not enough room for growth. Let me tell you a quick story. Just years ago, um, when Peter Cavana was here, I remember him coming to me and he said, Phil, I've got a great idea. We're going to do a thing called revival in the city. He said, we'll call it that. Do a graphic for me, make a leaflet, 
do revival in the city. We'll go and get a location in the centre of Cambridge. We'll do Sunday nights, revival in the city. So I said, okay, let's do it. So there's a few faithful few all trot down there with the drum kit in the back of the Peugeot, trying to get everything down there. We go down and set up for revival in the city. I made the graphics, put them on the streets. You know, we were living in faith. How many of you done that sometimes? You're just thinking, God, please make this revival. Because we've advertised it. We put it in across the city. It went into nearly every publication. Well, t- the truth was there wasn't really revival. We were just trying to say, you know, we want revival. So we did this. We went down there. And I'll never forget the first night. We were sat around the heating brook in this venue. There was a little Calagas heater, if anyone remembers what they're like, sat in the middle of the room. About ten chairs in a circle sat around the Calagas heater. Me and the pastor and a few others with a guitar and a little drum kit. Believing that revival is going to kick in in the centre of Cambridge. And this couple arrive all the way down from south. They'd seen from some reason, they'd searched, found online that we're doing a service called Revival in the City. So they'd drive the, an hour's drive, pack up, pay the fees in Cambridge, walk down into this venue. And we're all sat round. And all of a sudden this door creaks open. And this couple walk in, put their heads around the corner and they say, Is this Revival in the City? You know, for a moment, I thought to myself, I might just say, no, I think you've got the wrong address. I said, yeah, it is. Pull up a chair next to the heater. The fire of God's in here. And so they came in. They sat around with us. We had, a, we had a good time. You know, it was a good time of prayer. I wouldn't call it a revival meeting, but it was a good time of prayer. But listen to me. We've always had a heart for thinking bigger things than what we are. If you don't think bigger than what you are, you're going to stay where you are. So the key is to think greater, greater greater space. He saw this. He saw that, wow, there's so much space left to fill. If you look in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 to 7, you'll see the the story of Peter with a miraculous catch of fish. He comes back from a night of working. Jesus says to him, go back out, throw your nets on this side. And he says, if I go and do that, you know, we've been working all night. We haven't caught a thing. But he does. And what does he do? He gets a miraculous catch of fish. Many times Jesus used fish and fishing in the same instance of getting people. What's the purpose of us being here today? We want to grow the church. We want to see people born again. We want to see hell less populated and heaven more populated. That's the purpose. Not so we can come and have a latte. And Jesus sends them out. They come back with the nets. And what does it say? Their nets couldn't contain the amount of fish. And they they were nearly, it says they weren't just breaking the nets, but they were sinking their boats. Do you know what that shows? It doesn't show amazing miracle, fantastic growth. It shows that they weren't ready. Their thinking was not on the thinking of God. Their greater thinking was not on that level. And I believe that we've got to be careful that we don't have boats sinking because we can't take it, because we're not ready, because we're thinking about ourselves more. We need to be people that are ready that our ship does not sink because the space is big enough to contain the weight. Jesus had a greater measure than their thinking. He had far greater thought process and knew that if they did what he wanted them to do, he knew that it would show them, look guys, I'm, far, I'm always bigger than you. I'm always ahead. So start getting your infrastructure ready for big stuff. So what are we going to do? Well, we've just spent a lot of money on the stone on the front of the church We've spent a lot of money doing this building up and spending things doing into it. And we're going to be putting the doors in next month. And things are happening because I believe this is an amazing location. It's a great place. I can't always guarantee we're going to be here forever. Who knows? We can't get attached to bricks and mortar. Who knows what's going to happen? 
I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about that God, God's word is proclaimed in this city and that people get saved and that we see a mighty revival in this city. Because it's through hearts that want it. But listen to me. If we get attached to the building, then that's the wrong idea. What do we do? Well, I believe that we need to create more space here. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've been talking and we believe that we need to do multiple services. We need to bring in extra meetings. Some people say, oh, not so sure about that. You know, I've been thinking like that for many years. Two years ago, someone said to me, you should start multiple services. And I said, I know, but I've put it off. All this time I've been listening to what God wants to do and just get gauging it in my own heart what I believe God wants to do. Now, let hear me out before you start throwing darts at me. You know, because it does require extra resource. And this is why I want to say to you, if you want to be part of this vision, we need you. We need people to get involved. But listen to me. To, to do multiple services is going to require lots of work. The one thing I never want to lose in this church is the freedom we have of that we can worship and we're not trying to do it like a conveyor belt. And that's one thing I ensure you I do not want to see happen. Because if that happens, I'd rather have one service. Now that's vital. I've been to places where there's multiple services and I felt like it is like conveyor belt. And it loses. And I think King's Church has something very special about it and unique. That there is a freedom without you know, being too elaborate. There's a freedom to allow God to move. So I want you to know that in our thinking, this is not happening next week, by the way, but the next phase for us is that I want to bring this to you as a church. This is what we need to do. Because listen to me, if you said to me, well, I don't want to do that, tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what your plan is. Because if it's another building, then bring the finance. We, we have to do this to allow the church to grow. There are nearly 200 seats in this very room. If we were to open up one more service, which is the plan, that enables this church to potentially grow to 400. Without that, you have to get another building. You, if you get another building and you go to somewhere else, then who's going to carry the drum kit every week? You tell me if you want it. You do, you've got one way or the other. So I believe it's a great opportunity. It's the best way for us to grow the church, for God to take us into the next phase of what he's going to do. And that might be a, a bigger building to allow us to see in. I don't know what he's going to do. All I know is, if you said to me, this is not great, I like it how it is, then you're happy and content with this. You're happy and content with enough seats in here filled without any more growth. I don't believe that's the heart of Jesus. I believe he said, go, tell the world about me. See people saved. Well, we can't do it anymore. In this room, we're getting full. So multiple services is key. Also, I believe in greater thinking for space, not just the actual physical uh, doing another service here. Another thing we want to see this year, by the way, these, these double services, we want to see them happen this year. In fact, it's going to happen this year. So it will happen, but bear with us as we... We're going to have some sessions together to determine how can we do this. I want you to be able to come to me and say, do you know what? I love this vision. I, I don't even play a part at the moment in the church, but I want to help you to facilitate a double service. If you can do that, that would be an amazing thing. Help, Just pray for us as we think about this. But secondly, the other thing is this. I don't want us to be limited in thinking about the space of this room. That it's just about another service. Do you know what I want to see us do? I want to start thinking. We've done it in the streets locally here. Thinking 
uh, mission and getting out of the four walls and doing more outside of this building so we're not limited by a physical building on Tennyson Road. So one of the things that's going to be happening this year as well is we're going to be taking mission out of the city of Cambridge. I want to see what I call global. There's global mission, global, going local. I, I stole that from someone else. I stole it from Joe when she talks about missions. She says global all the time. I thought, that's a nice word. I love that one. We need to go global as well. That means before you even go anywhere abroad, you need to start thinking about Cambridgeshire, not just Cambridge. So we want to think outside these four walls, starting to influence areas of Cambridgeshire. How are we going to do that? Well, I'm going to tell you something now where I've already arranged. This is already arranged, set in stone, ready to go. This year it's happening. We're going to be going to a place called, does anyone know St. Ives? Yeah, bring up the picture. Anyone know this bridge? Famous little bridge. I think it was built in the 1400s or something like that. Or it might be, I don't know my history that well. You've wor- Steve's worked on this bridge, the stone. Now, listen to this. I was in, the last summer, I was in St. Ives. I was praying for someone on the street and I was in St. Ives. And I really felt God lead me into this, this church. Little, little thing is a little chapel. It doesn't get used as a chapel. It was open in the summer. So I wandered in there, went into this little chapel and got ch- chatting to the guys. The conversations developed to the point where I've now secured that building, that little chapel on there for free in this year for us to go in there and have our own healing uh, and praying for people who come into over that bridge. Everyone walks over that bridge on Saturdays, going in. We're going to go on there on Saturday, offering a place for people to come in for prayer, for whatever, but also send some of our teams into St. Ives. I want us to get out of this city and start thinking bigger. Okay, so this is already agreed. I've got the guy, he's, he's given me the key to that for free. So I've said, I want to go in and pray for the people. Is that okay? He says, yeah, you can have it. So we're going in there. That's this summer. We're going to be going in there as kings on the streets. If you want to be involved, we're going to be going to St. Ives. Because I think we've got to think bigger as well in Cambridgeshire. Let me tell you that I looked at some history on this place. And although it's been a chapel, at one time that little chapel was once a, a pub. It was a little pub where people were going and it had a very bad name for itself. And the name of the pub at the time was called the Little Hell. The Little Hell. Found this out. It's amazing what you find out on Google. The Little Hell. Well, I want to bring a touch of heaven. Tell you, we're going to change it. Every time people walk over that bridge, they're walking past an old pub called the Little Hell. Well, they're going to walk past a touch of heaven. And we're going to, we're going to influence that. I, I'm a great believer. So into different areas, God will grow. Grow what you're doing here. Don't think about a building. So if you want to be part of that, that's going to be happening this year. Also, not just in Cambridgeshire, but we're also going to go uh, in this land. He's already secured this. Where's the next slide? We're going to go to London. We're taking a mission to London this year. And this is for, I'm sorry to say just for now, this is for the guys. It's a particular thing for the guys that we're doing for, through Exceed, through Simon Pinchbeck. But I've arranged all this uh, in Jaron and Amma's wedding. When we went there, how long ago is it, guys, you've been married? Whoa, mate. You're in trouble later. One year and six months. When I went to, they, did you know that they got married in that building? Isn't that amazing? They got married in this building. I went to the, the wedding. It was an amazing day. But whilst I was there, you know, I just felt the Lord lead me to the events coordinator. And I spoke to the events coordinator. And since then, I've managed to get a, a, a chapel in that building. To, as you go through the doors to the left-hand side in that building that seats 130 people. I've managed to get a chapel in there uh, given to me for free for the day. So we, and this is, this is in the heart. This is in the heart of Westminster. 
So this is right near the Houses of Parliament. It's the Methodist Central Hall. They do massive events there, the New Year's Eve parties and the stuff that's shown on TV. This, we're going to be going in there. In there, they've got a, a cafe that seats 200. We're going to take the guys down there. Mission to London for the guys. We're going to be bringing guys from the east of the area through Simon Pinchbeck's ministry. Going in there on breakfast in the morning, then hitting the streets of Westminster and taking the message of Jesus out to the streets. If you think, I'm excited by this because I believe if we go into Cambridgeshire, we go into our capital, God is going to do some amazing stuff as we start to take this out. There's something prophetic about this, that God wants to do this in our land. But not only that, it doesn't stop there. This is all this year, by the way. This is happening this year. That's in October, I believe, 2016. Also this year, we're not only staying in this land, but we're going to be taking a missions trip out this year from here. We're going to go out. We're not confirming everything yet, but it's actually we're taking a team of selected people that are members here that we feel have the ability to go and do street evangelism on the streets in another nation. And we're going to be going out. It's already through the Assemblies of God, connected with another church. This summer, late summer, there's going to be a team of people, possibly around 10 people, going to be going out and flying out to do exactly what we do in this city. I want to tell you, we're doing something special this year. We're going to go global as well as local. Amen? We're going to go in Cambridgeshire to our, to our capital and to the ends of the earth. Amen? I don't know if you're excited by this, but I am. Because this is what vision's about. It's not just about buildings. It's about doing things for kingdom. Think kingdom. Sow into kingdom and you will grow. You will grow. Isaiah 54 verse 2, famous passage, says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. There's a word for you. Go on today and remember that. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sticks. I said in last year's vision, uh, vision day, one of the things I remember saying, I, I preached off this kind of the Isaiah 54, but I mentioned about strengthening our sticks. I said that the key for us is not just about expanding at the moment, it's about strengthening our sticks. I believe we're in a position as a church at the moment where the body of the believers are strengthening more, giving us the ability to now stretch a little more. So that's why I think in this last year, I really believe we've achieved as a church more strengthening to allow us to stretch. Okay? I think you have to strengthen first before you start stretching. And I think we're in a position. Some, some of us feel tired, but God will reward. I'm telling you, he will reward. It will be an amazing journey. To enlarge the infrastructure is going to stretch our capacity. Amen? Number three, evaluate commitment. We need to evaluate our commitment. This is all exciting. It's all good. But are you with us? Are you with us on this journey? Is this church for you? Well, I'd encourage you. Find somewhere where you can be rooted. But I encourage you. You are welcome to serve into this vision. And to help us to achieve what God is going to do. We need to evaluate that commitment. In Nehemiah 7 verse 5. He says this. Nehemiah says, So God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who have been the first to return. In other words, he says, I got all the books out and checked all the paperwork and trying to work out who's worthy of being here by ge- genealogical right. I need to check who are the exiles need to come back. And he got his paperwork in order. He got all his paperwork in order, his registration to allow the right people to come in. 
So one thing we want to do here, I've mentioned it over the last two weeks. I said consolidation is key. Getting people together, working together is key. But actually, we need to know, are you actually really with us? It's okay just saying, praise the Lord, yeah, I am. And then we don't hear anything else. But we need to know. So one of the things we've done is we've now redone our church partner partnership application forms. And you'll find these. There's hundreds of them downstairs today next to the cafe. And on the side, on the, on the, on the wall as you go downstairs, where the bar, bar area is, um, you can pick up one of these. I want to encourage you today, we need to do as Nehemiah did. We need to do, get our paperwork in order. Understand who is with us, who's here, and mem- wants to be a member of this vision. It's, it, it doesn't take much details other than your name, address, date of birth, blah, blah, blah. It also gives a line on here on this new form of serving interests. Gives you an ability to put on there what your serving interest is. There might be things that you've never dared to come up and say to anyone. It might be worship. It might be a certain thing. But fill in this form and you can put on your serving interests on there. Also on the back is the small print. Now you're all thinking, what's, what's he put in there? See, Jaron. This is, is, is our statement of faith. It's our conditions of partnership. It's general stuff. But it's important to read it. Also got notes on there if you're a student. Some people think, well, I'm a student. I'm going to be coming and going. How can I be a partner? You can fill one of these in. You can be a student here and, and be a partner as well. You know, it's, we're, we're aware that people come and go, but while you're with us, you can serve into that vision. But we want, you, we want to kind of start from scratch. People may think, well, I've already filled a form in. I believe I'm a member. I'd encourage you, go and see the office. If, you, if they find your form, we've got all the forms there, and you feel that you've done it and you don't want to do it again, leave it at that. But we're just saying to everyone, it'd be simple if everyone just thought, actually, I'll take one. It takes two minutes to fill out. We start again, and we have a new documents registration of who is with us. And I want to encourage you to think about it. I won't just say go and just fill it in so we've got names. I'd encourage you to think about it, come back, read the terms and conditions, and consider what that means for you. Many of us, we read terms and conditions, we, we press, we've read it. Do you know what? I realized the other day. I thought, do you know what? I don't, I don't lie. I don't want to lie. But actually, every time I ever tick a box on the bottom of terms and conditions, I've lied. Because it says, I have read. How many do that? You, every time, do you never think, I've lied when you tick that box? I, every time I tick it now, I think, I'm lying. I've not read it. What if they ask me a question? I've got no idea what I'm ticking. I want to encourage you today, you need to read what the statement of faith of this church is. Not just tick the box because you like it. Just because you like Sam's songs on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm coming back. This is my church. No, read the statement of faith. Read what we believe as a church. Read the conditions of partnership, what it means for you. And then make an executive decision on based on your information. And the Spirit of God as well. Proverbs 14.15 says this. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The simple believes everything. But the prudent gives thought to his or her steps. In other words, be prudent in your decision. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in this. I believe it's bang on. But I want you to make your decision right. For the right reasons. Evaluate commitment today. Number four, we need to envisage provision. Listen, we cannot do these things without finance. There's going to be a demand on us. Listen, let me tell you, the missions trips we're going to do this year, they're going to be costing money. To, certain, uh, to a certain limit, there's things that is going to cost money to do. As you know, we've already stepped out, increasing our staff this year. 
And that is another demand. It's another step of faith for the church. These are big things, let me tell you. There are big, big pressures. And I want to say that we need to have a mindset that we envisage that provision will come if we build big. If we think great, that God is great, just like he provides the miraculous catch. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 70, we read this. When, when all this structure had been built, it said this. Some of the heads of the families contributed to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 darrets of gold, 50 bulls, 530 garments for the priest, blah, blah, blah. All, all the things added up to 20,000 darrets of gold, 2,000 miners of silver, and 76, uh, 67 garments for the priest. In other words, there's a lot of stuff they gave. These were generous people. They'd not even, they'd, they'd walked into this spacious land and they'd seen, they'd not been the ones with the trowels and the, the mortar and working. These were ones who rocked up after, but yet they gave into the vision. And I want to encourage you that it's not just about serving, but it's about giving. Now, I believe this is a great church for giving, but I also believe that we can even give greater. If we, and that's between you and God. But I believe we can start to think if we want something great, then we have to sow into something in a great manner. It's, it's essential for us to think like that. It's, it's biblical as well. The demand for growth here will require greater giving. Now, you know me, I don't talk about money much. It's very rare I get up here and speak about that we need people to give more. I don't, I personally don't like doing it. However, I know it's biblical. The Bible teaches that we should give. And I want to encourage you, if you don't tithe, you don't give, I encourage you not to do it just because it helps us, but it helps the vision. It helps to praise God. But also, you will see a reward in your own lives. And that's not prosperity ministry. That is the the principle of sowing and reaping. I could give you story after story of where we have sometimes, I remember this church when we put the floor in and they were asking us for extra donations to put the floor in just like we do sometimes. And there was a time when we had to put a certain amount in. I thought we cannot afford to do this. On paper, it's not going to work. And we did it. We sowed into it and I was so worried. And then literally two months after that, I get a check for the exact amount that I'd given. I want to encourage you, God works like this. But you have to test him. You have to, he wants you to test him because he wants to see obedience and faith in our hearts. So I want to encourage you today, try and ask God, say, God, what do you want me to do to sow into it as well as serve as well? You see, you might be saying today, well, I don't think this is the, the way a church model works in that you give as well and that you have to give all this money as well. Listen to me, I'll, I'm going to read you something because I believe this is one of the best uh, characteristics of a church I love to read. And it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's brilliant. And it will give you a flavor of what the first church, how it starts. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Sounds like a good church. Verse, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together, consolidated, and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, it's a key part. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And here's the key. 
All this for what? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. An ingredient in that is giving. He says that they love the signs and wonders. They love to get together to pray. They love to get together and meet together and worship together and do all these things. But they also knew the value of getting rid of all materialistic things, setting all that aside and giving to those in need. It was in harmony with everything else. The problem is sometimes some of us want all of the characteristics of a, a church on fire, but we're not willing to give into it. We want everything, but we strip out that line. We say, I want, I want the signs and wonders. I want to see all these amazing things. I want to see God moving in great ways. I love going to the prayer meetings, love the worship. But when it comes to giving, I'm not so sure about that. Well, it's in harmony. And this is how God rewards. He says, I will add to the number. If you do this, you're going to see people come through your doors. Well, I know there's one thing I'd rather serve my money into. It's not um, luxury carpets. It is if we give our money into the ministry that we see souls saved. It's the best thing we could ever sow into. Souls saved. It needs to be in harmony. Some of us want all this without giving. Remember a few years back, me and Emma, we had, we had a trip to New York. I think I've told you about it recently. We had club class tickets given free to us. It was amazing. Emma's sister works for an air company and she gave us these tickets for Emma's, was it your 30th? Someone, I can't remember. I'm in trouble now, Joan. But we went to New York for three, four days, did some sightseeing. Amazing place to go to. Always wanted to go to New York and, and visit. And I remember getting there, and we had a, a certain budget to allow us to, to, to go around wandering, looking at all the sites. You know, it's like your budget, don't you think? I want to go out for meals on a night. And we had this budget in plan to experience, you know, living the dream in America. And so we wandered around. And one thing I discovered very, very quickly is that Americans like a good tip. They like to be tipped. You know, it's not because they're greedy. It's just culture that they like to eat. It's something that you do. Now, the thing is, I've just not read my little Lonely Planet guide enough. So I get there and my budget is to allow me to have a nice meal and do all the things I want to do right to the penny till we come home and have pretty much nothing. And I wasn't really factoring much about tipping. And so we, want, we started to go around all of New York and everywhere we went in New York, there was people just almost waiting for the tip. And I remember we paid the money to get on one of these sightseeing tour buses to take us around New York. And we, you, kept, you can hop on and hop off when you want. You pay your money. I thought, what a deal. You can just get on and off the bus, go around New York. We don't have to pay the taxes all the time. We just get on and off. Well, every time, I don't know if anyone's ever been on one of these, but every time we got on the bus, the, the tour guide who's supposed to tell you about you know, the history of the Empire States Building, he spends the first five minutes of your trip telling you, you know, we don't get much money. And so you need to, it, we, we, we rely on on tips. So every time you got on and off and you went past the same buildings, you had to listen to the same thing at the beginning of every single journey to the point where we started getting off saying, I can't be bothered to listen to this anymore. I want to know what about the Empire State Building, not about your tips. The problem is we didn't have, we didn't think about this. We didn't think about giving in their culture. And I remember the last day we were reading our little guide and it said, make sure you go, do not miss out on a place called Carnegie's Deli. Amazing place to go to for food. 
you know, you get lots of food. It's somewhere where all the stars have been to, just a, like a diner. And you go to this place called Carnegie's Deli. So we rock up Carnegie's Deli. Our flight's about to go soon. We're going to get a taxi out of there. And I said, we've got to go to Carnegie's Deli. We've got to tell people we've been. You know, you know, it's like you come back, you want to tell people what you did, all these things. So we've got to go to Carnegie's Deli. But we only had a little bit of money left. So I said, when we go, we're going to have to look for the cheapest thing on the menu. Maybe share a sandwich. We've just got to tell people we've been. You know, you've got to do it, haven't you? Everyone likes to say, oh, I did this. Yeah, we did the Empire States building. I thought, we've got to, if we don't do it, we've missed out. So we said, we've got to get in Carnegie's. But listen, I wasn't thinking about the tip. So we went into Carnegie's Deli. We sit down. Boy, oh boy, have I never seen as much food on someone's plate. Their plates were piled like high with pastrami and all these different things. And I'm looking, cheesecakes, whew, huge. You know, they make Tesco's cheesecakes look, you know, like for... You know, for the, for, the, for the railway children. Listen, these, listen to me. It was an amazing place. We had the food. We shared, a, a, got the cheapest thing. I'm spending, they're saying, have you decided what you want? I was trying to look for the cheapest item. I wasn't looking at it thinking, oh yeah, give me more time. I was thinking, what is the cheapest way we can get in here and out? So we, we reviewed it all. We got the cheapest item. We decided to share a cheesecake. We were down to nothing left. I said, do you realize if we get the cheesecake, we ain't got no tip. It's either cheesecake. And they were, they were going around on this rotary thing. They looked absolutely amazing. The question was, do I want the cheesecake or shall I tip the woman? I said, we're getting on the flight soon. No one's ever going to see us again. I said to Emma, will you say anything? No. Will you? No. What's it going to mean? We've just got to get out of this shop very quickly. You know you've all done it. I feel bad about it, you know. But you know, you lie when you tip the terms and conditions. So listen, I, I was there and we, and we were eating. And honestly, my heart was beating. We had the cheesecake. It was absolutely amazing. You know, I'd like to say that we didn't. And we served the woman. We gave her. But we had the cheesecake. And then we were, my heart was beating. How on earth? Because she was stood waiting, looking at us. And the, honestly, the, the distance to get from the door of Carnegie's Deli from the, from the thing was half the distance to this length of church. It wasn't long, but have you ever noticed sometimes something like that feels like eternity? Well, I thought, I don't know how we can do it. So we stood up and we walked out and we, cre- we just kind of looked and walked past. We got out. And honestly, have you ever felt like this? You walk out of the shop and I felt like something was behind me. And we were walking down the street and I said, just keep walking, don't look back. We carried on walking down wherever it was, and then we ran for the plane. We literally had not anything left. We had to buy, I think, on the, on the plane with our card, because we just used all our dollars up. That's what we wanted to do when we were there. But I want to encourage you, the reason I tell you that is because some of us, we want all the joys, we want all the pleasures of church, we want all of the, you know, the, the desserts, everything that goes with it, but we're not willing to serve into the culture of the kingdom of God. And the culture of the kingdom of God is this, that we need to give as well. So I want to encourage you today. I know I had the cheesecake, but I learned from my mistake. And I want to encourage you today, think about it. Think, am I just doing this for my own pleasure or am I also giving as well? Sacrificing to give. Everything should be in harmony. We know that in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, I can never say that, but they held back. The prophets of their land. They tried to lie to the Holy Spirit. They held back what was in their account. Now listen, no one knows anyone's account here. But listen to me, God does. He understands the way we give. 
And it's between, I always say this, it's between you and God. He knows your heart. He knows situations. He knows where you're at. But I want to encourage you, just like they did. I mean, they dropped dead, didn't they? When they didn't give and they held back, they dropped dead. I've not seen many people drop dead since, so people must be pretty good givers. But listen, he shows a very simple principle that the Holy Spirit understands our hearts. Because we see that, just read that story in Acts chapter 5. Don't hold back. The reason I said this is, it's not to get more money, get more money. It's, it's the heart of giving as well. But in Luke 6, this puts it all together and sums this up. In Luke 6, verse 38, he says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured out into your lap. Listen to this. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Have a greater measure in your giving your sacrificial giving, that God would give you back the same measure. In fact, I believe he gives greater things as we sow into his kingdom. Finally, and I will not labor on this point, but finally, I think this is essential. Number five is that the final letter E is to establish culture. Establish culture. It's vital in the vision that I've got that we need to establish a culture in this church that is unified across all of the areas that you saw, including devoted. It's unified across all these areas. Nehemiah 7.73 says this, The priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites. So he lists all these different people. says all these different people, the musicians and gatekeepers. He says this, They settled in their own towns. All these different people with different giftings and areas all settled together in harmony together. So I think the key is this. Not that we have all these different avenues of, oh, we've got Ignite and we've got, you know, we've got Devoted and we've got all these different avenues. The key is this. You can have all these great infrastructure, but one key thing that we need as a church, I believe, and it's, it's, going, to take, it's going to take us all to work together on it, is that the same culture is evident through every single activity. For example, you know, the, the kids work downstairs. They have a, a, the same heart for evangelism. They have the same heart for believing for the supernatural. They have the same heart for believing that they can pray and God can use them. That the same things in Ignite and the student activities are exactly the same replicated. So that the culture's not different if you stepped into any one of those territories. That is something that we're not there on fully yet. It takes work and time, but we need to see the culture the same wherever you look in the church. Because I believe that God will grow each area. What kind of culture do we want? Well, in Acts, 40, uh, in Acts chapter 2, for 42, we see that these things, the thing I read earlier with the giving, they were committed, supernatural, servant-hearted, givers, worshippers, evangelistic and prayerful. They were all these things. And that's the kind of culture that we need. We're responsible for that culture. It's up to you and to me to make this culture happen in our church so that we're all in harmony together. But we are responsible for this. We're responsible for serving into the vision, praying, all of these aspects, giving us. We are. We are King's Church. We're responsible for changing the culture. And I'm going to tell you something today. If your culture is not 
one of being evangelistic. He's not believing some of the characteristics that I'm trying to lay out here as being a missional church, thinking greater, bigger thinking. If that's not your way of thinking in your culture, then you need to question where you are. But secondly, I want to say this. Do you know those who have children here today? Put your hands up if you have children. Maybe here today in the church or even if they're not here. Do you know something? Our kids are looking at us. Do you know that? They are looking at us. What culture do you follow? What type of church do you have? Do you know my kids, they'll say very random things sometimes, but they come out with, and I can see that subconsciously they are observing a culture that believes for the impossible. They're observing that culture. They're not observing a culture that's just nice church and nice songs and nice meetings. They're observing a culture that is bigger than all that. And do you know what? If you're not portraying that culture in your life and as part of this church, and you're not part of this vision to the degree in which I'm saying, do you know that the effect you will have, your children will watch. They will serve God one day in a context, but they need to see it the same as you are. You are responsible for the culture that you set. Amen. I finish with this. Ephesians 3.20. Paul says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. All generations. Not just ours, but the kids as well that are going to watch and follow you behind you. One day they're going to catch you up. All generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.